I shall fertilize it and cultivate around it, and it will bear, it will bear fruit. If not, then cut it down. There is something called a false dilemma or false dichotomy. It's a rhetorical tool, a, a tool used in argumentation or debate uh, to win an argument. It's, it's not a, a tool that seeks truth. It's a tool to, uh, to put a, uh, two opposites, uh, apparent opposites, to, as a contrast to force somebody to choose one or the other when uh, the truth lies is somewhere in between. It's, it's the kind of the, the false idea that's either or versus both and. Um, and, and we use it in, in uh, playfully sometimes in our language on, on small sort of meaningless things like, was it hot today or is it cold today? Well, it's hot in the sun, but it's cold in the shade, right? It's neither or, right? Or if you, uh, I could give an example of politics, but oof, uh, uh, yeah, I wanna, that might scorch myself or somebody else, so let's not do that. But it's used in, in, in moral argumentation all the time, um, rather manipulatively, to try and get you either for us or against us. It's that, that side of thinking. You're for us, you're against us. If you're not for us, then you must be against us. Um, again, it, it's not to seek the truth. It's to win an argument. So it's manipulative by its, by its actual intent. And, and you see the Pharisee leaders, the, the religious leaders and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are constantly using this, this rhetorical tool of false dilemmas with Jesus uh, about God and uh, trying to entrap him. And they're at it again today. And so that's where we pick up this reading. And they're, they're talking about, you know, the source of God. Like, remember, they believed that God was a, a God of, of good. And therefore, if you were good, then God blessed you. And if you were evil, then God cursed you. It was black or white thinking. It was either or. There was no in-between. So if you were cursed, if you, then if you died in a cursing, then you must have been evil, even though we didn't know it. And if you, good things happened to you, you must be good, even though we didn't know it. That was our logic. And that's, we're trying to constantly catch Jesus to say that. Well, the, the examples that come up today is the Galilean. So Galilean somehow... Uh, uh, Pilate had killed these Galileans, which meant their blood got mingled with the martyrs, which was against the law. So therefore, they must have been evil, even though we didn't know it. So that's the logic. Or then Jesus gives another example. The, 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 uh, the 18 people were, who were killed when an accident, the Tower of Siloam falls in them in Jerusalem. And they all say, well, they, that's an accident, a terrible accident. They must have been evil, even though we didn't know it, because that bad things happened. And God, and Jesus turns it right back on them. He says, look, you know, they're no more evil than you are. In fact, you need to re repent because of your sins or you'll die like they. Um, so then he gives the example of the fig tree, which you always you have to know when Jesus gives example of, the, uh, of a parable, there's a zinger coming, right? So just you have to understand it. There's always a zinger. So we have to break this open to understand what the zinger is. He, he comes along the fig tree. If it, it's not producing any fruit, he wants to cut it down. Again, using their, their logic of black and white. It's not producing free. It's, it's useless, so cut it down. And, and then the gardener says, no, no, let, let, me, uh, let me bear some more fruit. And, and then, of course, the idea is that it will bear fruit. Jesus is God, come, brings in this God of mercy, and they don't like that message. Now it's not an either-or thinking. But here's the zinger, is, you know, the... the the fig tree didn't produce bad fruit. 
what type of fruit did it produce? No fruit. None at all. And so he's looking to them, and of course the zinger is that it's not enough just to obey the law, but unless you produce fruit, you're no good. I'm going to come back and cut you down. Of course, like, now we all come to church here on Sunday, and, you know, we do no harm. We're not out killing anyone. We're not fighting in, a, in, in some sort of terrible war. So we might sing, well, we're not doing any, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't produce any bad fruit. But did you produce any good fruit? We have no fruit at all. We didn't, see, it's not enough to just avoid evil. We actually have to do good. We have to produce fruit. And that's where the real zinger comes, is that it's not enough just to fulfill the law by failing, by doing what we need to avoid evil, but we have to actually go. We have to be more than just a believer in Jesus. We have to be a follower in Jesus. So that's why we have to go back to the first reading to understand how does then God work and how are we called to follow him. Here's this, uh, let's break this open a little, because Moses, just, just to recapture the, the power of this, Moses was a murderer. Just understand that, like he's He's not your upstanding. He's not the one who, who held the law, right? He murdered an Egyptian official because he had said or did something against the Jewish people. And so now he's running for his life, and he's in the desert, wandering around, and he's taking care of his shepherd. And, and as he's walking, he notices that a bush is on fire, but it's not burning. Now, that's something ordinary, maybe extraordinary, happening in the middle of some ordinary, an ordinary bush that's on fire. And what he does is he walks in to take a closer look. And as he gets, walks in to take a closer look, then God says, Moses, Moses, stop. You're on holy ground. So as you notice, what happens first is that Moses has to move. He has to notice God in the ordinary, something extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary. Then he moves, and then God gives him the call. Now, there's a, there's our, 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 that's what we're meant to follow. We're meant to notice God in the ordinary and then move towards it. And then God speaks to us, not in a bounding voice or a thunderous clap, but in a quiet voice will then speak to us, saying, they might not be coming from a burning bush, but in the ordinary, we will hear God speak to us. So what, okay, that's all great exegesis and it's wonderful, Father Brown. What does that mean for you? What does it mean for our daily life? Well, what it means for us is that so when we're struggling with something, like when we're trying to work with somebody who's maybe difficult at work, and we tend to just want to judge them and move away, we're called and said to move a little closer and see where is the wonder of this in the middle of it. And as we move in closer to them and listen to their story, we will then hear how God has called us to operate. Or, or for those students who are here, maybe that one kid in the class who always seems to bother us, it just is that we just don't understand. It's that if we remain from a distance, we judge them from a distance. But if we move in close, we'll see how God is operating in their life. Or, or for all of us, uh, that homeless person or that, that person who so struggles with, with mental illness or, or, or that person who right now is a refugee in, in, uh, in, uh, in Ukraine in a, in a terrible situation, that, that at a distance we could, we could look and say, oh, really, that's terrible. But when we move in close and watch and listen to their story, our heart has to be broken by these stories. You see, it's only when we move, and that's what Lent is all about. Lent is about this metanoia. It's changing the direction with which we are going. 
we move and we turn towards God. That's what will produce more fruit. That's the cultivation of the soil of our hearts. So where is God asking you to move to? Where is God asking you to, to shift and to listen to somebody's story, to, to uh, be moved by, by the reality and the pain of suffering of somebody's life, so that then we can produce more fruit? Uh, fertilize, let me fertilize it and let it grow one more year. And if it produces fruit, if it does not produce fruit, then cut it down. So let's move. Let's go through that metanoia so that we can produce more fruit for the Lord.